to the $100 MBA show, the business podcast that always got your back every single day with our daily 10-minute business lessons for the real world. I'm your host, your coach, your teacher, Omar Zenholm. I'm also the co-founder of Webinar Ninja, an independent software company I started with my co-founder back in 2014. And today's episode is a special extended interview episode. In these episodes, we go a little deeper, we go a little longer than our typical uh, shorter episodes, but for good reason. I sit down with an expert and extract the juice, the meat, the gold that is in their brains and share it with you to help you and your business. Today we have John Jans, a marketing leader in our space, the founder of Duct Tape Marketing and the author of the newly released book, The Ultimate Marketing Engine. When I sat down with John, I wanted to find out how you too, all of us, can build our own marketing engine. So I asked him a whole bunch of questions about what's the purpose of marketing in our business? How do we prevent ourselves from spinning our wheels and spend tons of money and time and effort on marketing that doesn't work? How to understand our customers a little bit better so that we're actually giving them the messages they need to hear? And how to go beyond a bunch of strategies or hacks, but build a cohesive system? and a whole lot more. This one is packed with solid gold. Can't wait to share it with you. So let's get into it. Let's get down to business. Support for today's show comes from Avast. Avast has been a global leader in cybersecurity for more than 30 years, trusted by over 435 million users. Their new all-in-one solution, Avast One, offers a wide range of features. Security solutions to stop malware, phishing, and virus attacks. Privacy features that keep your identity and actions hidden. And performance products to clean up and speed up your devices. A free version of Avast One even includes award-winning free AV, free VPN, free firewall, and more. Learn more about Avast One at avast.com. Today's extended interview is with John Jans. I've been wanting to sit down with John for some time because he's incredibly practical when it comes to marketing, which means you can actually use the advice he gives you. He's a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. He's written several books that have helped so many entrepreneurs, big and small businesses across the world. I've known John for, I would say, seven years now. I've heard him speak in person at conferences, He's a really good speaker, really sought-after speaker in the speaker space. But that's because, in my opinion, he's a good teacher. And you'll see in today's episode how down-to-earth and easy to understand he is. He's just really one of those people that just allows things to click in your brain. So I'm going to move into the discussion I had with John, but I'll be back to wrap up today's episode. But for now, let's jump into that talk with John Jans and build our ultimate marketing engine. John Jan, so awesome. So awesome to connect with you. Um, we've known each other at conferences, mutual friends for so uh, for some time now. Um, but I'm so glad to, to bring you onto the podcast to share your awesome wisdom and knowledge with our crowd. Great to have you, man. Yeah, well, thanks so much. It's uh, great to be here. And it's been way too long since you and I have had a chance to chat. So this is awesome. Totally. And I want to start with a question I've been wanting to ask you for so long. <laughs> Every time I've seen you at a conference or seen you on stage or we're having some sort of speaker dinner somewhere, I've seen you wearing Chuck Taylors. <laughs> and I want to, I love a good pair of Chuck Taylors, but I want to know the story behind that. 
You know, there's no huge story behind it. I just really, I, you know, I'm old enough to, that that was like, those were like basketball shoes in high school, you know, <laughs> yeah. before they became retro trendy. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I've always worn them, you know, for, for many, many, many years. Um, and I just, I, I continued to wear them and they, you know, they, they kind of ebbed away and they weren't very popular I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. And, and so people start commenting on them all the time. So I just thought, well, I just keep wearing these people just kind of, it's sort of like a thing to stand out a little bit. Now, of course, you know, every high school 14 year old girl's got them on, you know? <laughs> and, and, and so I've, I've actually, to tell you the truth, I, I hope, I hope I'm not letting you down too much here, but I, I really have stopped wearing them a couple of years ago because then they don't look like, I was trying too hard, you know, to be cool. And it's like, no, I, I wore these before they were cool. Yeah, it's hard to prove that exactly. in the moment. <laughs> well, I mean, I always thought you rocked them pretty well. So that's, that's Thank good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we got a lot I want to talk about uh, when it comes to marketing. You're, you're somebody I really love um, hearing, uh, reading your books, just because you're all about the fundamentals. Yeah. Um, the things that you write about you know, last the test, the test of time, uh, regardless of what's happening, uh, online or what trends are happening. Um, but I want to start with a, a little bit of perspective. Um, our audience are hardworking entrepreneurs. Um, and I recently watched your Ted talk, your TEDx talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you talk about the difference between entrepreneurs that feel successful and yeah. those who don't. Yeah. Um, and you, pose a question to the audience, um, uh, which is what makes work worth it? Yeah. Um, can you get into that a little bit and talk about what you learned along your studies when it comes to that? Well, uh, the, uh, that particular talk I was giving was that, you know, it was a moment in time when I had been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs. I was actually working on a, a book that was really more about purpose in your, you know, entrepreneur journey, entrepreneurial journey. And I was just really taken back by the amount of entrepreneurs that, you know, I would look at them outwardly. A lot of people would look at them outwardly and think, God, that guy's got to figure it out. You know, he's got 50 people or whatever. She, uh, you know, looks like they're doing millions of dollars worth of business. And, and all of that may have been very true, but for whatever reason, they hadn't gotten to where they wanted to go you know, or they, mm. that, that horizon, you know, which was the goal, uh, you know, sort of, um, you know, moved away, <laughs> continued to move away. And, and I think that that's actually, I think that's actually a, a real thing with entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they, they never feel satisfied because there's always somebody doing better or there's always something that they, you know, I, I myself, I mean, I, I have everything that I could want. I've had a great career. I would never change a day, you know, but there's certain things I haven't finished, you know, that I'm mm. like, darn, <laughs> you know, I want to get that, that part done, or I could have done that part better. Um, with age, you sort of start letting some of that stuff go because you realize how unimportant and how useful it is. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm at a point now where I don't feel that same pressure, I don't think. Uh, but I do know a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly starting out, you know, really mm. uh, put themselves under a lot of stress that probably has nothing to do with their own journey, quite frankly. I love that because I feel that a lot of entrepreneurs that I work with, I speak to, um, feel like they're in a rush. Yeah, like they yeah. just, they're like they have to get to where they're going so fast. And I realize, you know, I try to remind them, Hey, you know, life is a long 
journey, you know, like, you know, um, most professions don't expect to be, you know, uh, experts or reach all the milestones in two or three years. You know, I look at a doctor, it takes them 10 years before they can touch a patient, you know, um, before they even can consider themselves, uh, somebody worthy to practice medicine. Um, where does that pressure come from? Cause you know, you shared a story in the TEDx talk about the, you know, the janitor, the yeah. janitorial company yeah. and like for all intents and purposes, they should feel successful. Is it because we're always looking forward and not at our accomplishments? I think unfortunately it's, we're quite often looking at other people's accomplishments too, mm. too often. Um, and, and boy, social media has just made that easier to do, uh, mm. you know, so whether they're valid or true or not, you know, it, it appears they are. So I think that that's a lot of it is, is that, you know, we see what other people are doing and you think, thinking, gosh, I should be able to do that. That person's not that smart. How, you know, how come they figured it out? Mm. You know, we put a lot of pressure, <laughs> pressure. to myself. Yeah. <laughs> we put, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that way. I do also think that this, uh, you know, you talk about this idea of being in a rush. Um, I think that what that has a tendency to do is, is try to make us control things that are totally out of our control. Um, and that to me is a ton, ton of, of pressure. You know, we, we think it's supposed to go a certain way. The meeting was supposed to happen. I was supposed to get this thing. And, and that I think, you know, trying to control those things, you know, call, mm. it's probably the greatest uh, sense of stress. I know, I know that, uh, what, I've been in this a long time, and I know that one of the things that, that I have seen happen time and time again is that if you actually just stop back and witness what has happened, uh, as opposed to trying to control it, um, many times what occurs is something that was supposed to happen uh, later or, the, or something that was actually better <laughs> that happened. I, yeah. I can't help me tell you how many times I've lost something that I thought I was supposed to get or a deal or something, and, and then you know two days later, a whole, you know, something that I wouldn't have been able to get had that other thing occurred. Um, you right. know, and, and I think that that happens enough times and you start going, wait a minute, you know, I, I didn't get this for a reason or, you know, this isn't working out because something else was supposed to. And, and when you start taking that mindset, it does ease some of the pressure, but I'll be the first to admit that it sometimes feels, uh, feels pretty in the moments, feels uh, pretty tragic if something doesn't happen that you thought was supposed to happen a certain way. Yeah, that's that's a solid perspective. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into a little bit of um, your brand of marketing, mm -hmm. your ide ideology of marketing, because, sure. uh, you know, I love to read anything, get my hands on. I've read your book, Duct Tape Marketing. Um, I've, I'm reading now your The Ultimate Marketing Engine, your latest book. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about how many entrepreneurs that I work with, I speak with people that I maybe even look up to in some regard, um, especially in the tech and SaaS space, they deprioritize marketing in their business. Yeah. They focus totally on the product and think the best product will always win. Sure. Why is this a dangerous mindset or is it true? I would say that there's so many, uh, you know, stories of the world littered with the best products nobody ever heard of uh, that, that it would be hard for me to say that's true. But I think that it's not just, you know, it's not just product makers. I think business owners, entrepreneurs in general, we fall in love with our idea, what we think it's going to do for the world. And, you know, we forget that, that, you know, nobody really wants what we sell. They mm -hmm. want what they think they're going to get because they bought it or because they engaged us. They want their problem solved. 
Um, and that, you know, that to me is, if I were going to boil down kind of my point of view of differentiation, it's figure out what problem you solve or can solve, um, and then help people understand that, that, that the, you know, promise to solve their problem with your solution, as opposed to here, you need this because, um, you know, you, you have to first understand and be able to articulate the problem they're trying to solve. And then you can go about helping them tell the story uh, that, that they've already got in their head. That is, that is a really good advice because a lot of us as entrepreneurs, like you said, we fall in love with our product. Uh, we often think we are the customer when we know the product way too well, we know the problem way too well. And we, we often market to ourselves rather than thinking about, Hey, somebody who I'm trying to sell to my target market doesn't have the experience, doesn't know the, the know-how I do. And I need to speak a different language. Yeah. How, how, what's a good way to, to kind of, you know, reverse that or yeah. gain the language of a customer. So you can use that in your marketing. Sure. So I'll give you an example um, that, it may not ring true for your audience, but I think it'll help il illustrate the the point we're trying to make here. I essentially sell marketing strategy, but not not a single one of my customers has ever woken up and said, I think I'm going to go buy some marketing strategy. Never, <laughs> never, never happened. But they do wake up and say, how come every time the phone rings, uh, they want a deal? Or how come, you know, my uh, chief competitor shows up in the Google map pack and I don't. I mean, those are the things that they, I, I sometimes in my cynical moments say, those are the things they whine about. Um, and, and that's what that, that's what you need to start understanding. And, you know, one of the things we've done forever is we interview our clients' clients um, and, and really get at, you know, getting them to tell stories about, and, and always the stories, the emotional themes that come out are the, are, they're really starting to talk about, well, here's what I really get from working with that company or from buying that product. And increasingly, uh, because there are all these review sites now that that are become so important in in the world of marketing, you know, Google review. If somebody's got twenty five five star Google reviews, I can almost guarantee you that I can find what their core message should be based on what their reviewers are saying. Because if somebody goes voluntarily and talks about the 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 problem you solved, the the thing they got that they didn't expect, that's that's what you need to sell. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and we, you know, we've made almost an art out of being able to pick those apart and boy, it's going to show up above the fold uh, on their website, probably, you know, before we start talking about all the great features and how long we've been in business and how many people we've helped. It's, you know, do you show up on time and do you clean up the job mm. site? You know, that's going to show up ahead of time because that's not what, that's what people are not getting. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really spot on. You remind me of a, uh... A boutique hotel that has a few few um, locations here in, in Australia called Ovalonishi. And the things they market, like as a hotel, are it's literally what people say on TripAdvisor. Exactly. It's literally great shower, yeah. uh, late checkout, yeah. uh, fun snacks. You know, like it's the things that people say. And it's just like, this is brilliant, yeah. yet it's not. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's so true. I mean, I, the, the example I started to allude to there is, um, you know, we did these interviews and looked at reviews for a, a, a tree service. They cut down trees. Um, and every single one of their reviews said they showed up when they said they were going to and they cleaned up the job site. Nobody said like they took the tree down and, you know, beautifully. They got a chainsaw. They got a truck. Of course, they could take a tree down. But, but will they show up, you know, when they told me they were going to come and and you know that's the kind of stuff it's the experience itself it's the kind of stuff that people aren't getting i love it 
So I know that a lot of people are listening. They've tried a lot of things in marketing. You know, I've tried this, I tried that. When marketing doesn't work, what are the most common mistakes? Well, the biggest one is, and and you know, you alluded to my my uh, uh, upcoming forthcoming most recent book. Um, a great chunk of that book uh, really extols people to to actually uh, look at their top twenty percent of their clients, their most profitable clients. And I'm not saying forget everybody else, but eventually I'm saying forget everybody else. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to pay the bills, so you take some work, but. Um, as cliche as the 80-20, you know, idea um, is, it's because there's a lot of truth to it that most businesses I've worked with, the top 20% of their clients or the that are, are really where most of their profits come from. That's where they deliver most of their value. Um, that's where they're the right match, you know, for the right client. That's probably where they're getting their referrals, <laughs> you know, if they're coming in. And so what if we looked at those folks and said, okay, let's figure out who they are. I mean, let's, let's really identify. And it's not, it's beyond like industry and things like that. I mean, it's like their behavior, what makes them ideal? You know, how do they want to solve their problem? What are their beliefs? You know, even how do they invest in getting their problem solved? Those kinds of that level, if you can understand that, you know, then the first job is to say, okay, how do we go find more people like that? But ultimately the job is to say, what else could we do for them? You know, the, again, going back to the 80, 20, I'm a firm believer that if you find that 20%, 20% of them want to do 10 times the business with you. And 20% of them want to do 100 times more business with you. So so go to work on figuring out, you know, how to take them from where they are today to where they want to be um, and ma- build your entire business around that. Um, and you'll that's why I call the book, The Ultimate Marketing Engine. You'll never have to go look for business again. I love that so much because it works. Like what you just said works because we've tried it in our own business, our webinar software, webinar ninja. We actually went into Stripe. We looked at the top hundred customers, meaning the top hundred customers who have spent the most money with us, right? right. right? Um, and we went on an interview spree. We called them up. We got on Zoom calls. We we just wanted to learn like what are their favorite websites? Yeah. What do they do? What are the pain points in their work? What they love about our software? They don't all, all that kind of stuff. You know, and what we learned is that that whole demographic were, were, were a specific niche in our market, nice. a niche that we're kind of ignoring, yeah. like kind of not really, we're trying to attract all these different kinds of businesses. And it changed our business for the last couple of years, because now we just focus on those people, which are creators, writers, uh, you know, speakers, trainers, teachers right. uh, that are looking to do webinars. And th- these people are the, the the best of the best in our cohort. And it doesn't mean we're saying no to everybody else. It just right. means we're going to just talk directly to these people. And it just helps us. If, first of all, it's a huge relief. First yeah. of all, I'm like, oh, I don't have to talk to everybody now. I can just <laughs> talk to my people, you know? Yeah. Second of all, it just, it's actually really cost effective to market to only a specific group. Um, and that kind of leads me to my next question is that once I do that exercise, once I know who I'm talking to, what's the next step? How do I, how do I get them to come to my door? You bet. So, so it goes back to that whole problem solving, you know, once you really start understanding them at that level, um, then you have to figure out what their journey is. 
to solve their problems. And so we, uh, we propose, or we um, profess uh, something that I developed quite a long time ago called the marketing hourglass. And the marketing hourglass has seven stages, uh, no like trust, try by repeat and refer. And those are, those words are chosen specifically because I believe they're the behaviors that we as buyers all want to go on <laughs> or, or, or interact, you know, the companies that we do business with, we, we want to come to know businesses. We certainly want to like them. Uh, we're not going to buy from them unless we, you know, feel like we can trust their solution. It's always great if we can have a way to try them. <laughs> we want the buying experience to stay high because as everything they promise, the onboarding, the communication, all that kind of good stuff. Um, we uh, certainly, uh, once we're happy, we're not going to go anywhere. You know, they, they're solving mm -hmm. my needs. I'll stay with you forever as long as it keeps working and, and you do what you say you're going to do. And then I think as human beings, we're all kind of wired to talk about companies that exceed our expectations, that surprise us. Um, and so we, you know, that, that turns into the referral bucket. So if those are truly the seven uh, stages, you know, it's more about, uh, it's less about creating demand for our products and services and more about organizing that behavior. Um, and so uh, that really starts with that, that deep understanding of the problems that they're trying to solve. And a lot of times that early part in the journey, they certainly are connecting their problems they're trying to solve with our solution. And so when we try to say, you need a webinar you know, solution, and they haven't even realized that their problem is they don't talk to enough people or they can't, you know, they can't, uh, uh, you know, they can't reach people in certain ways. They can't grow their business because they're not, you know, building a tribe. I mean, all, all those kinds of things are the problems they're trying to solve. And, and if we talk to them helping them understand how to solve that, we eventually are going to get the opportunity to say, oh, by the way, <laughs> did you know that this, you know, now that you understand what your problem is, and now that you understand some of the symptoms and some of the ideas, here's a perfect solution uh, that really addresses that problem. And so that's, you know, that's why content, of course, is such, you know, an, an integral part of that guiding the customer journey. Uh, it's really the, it's really the voice of strategy, uh, more than a tactic uh, today. Mm. Uh, but if you pair that, with, you know, content and, and processes and campaigns, you know, with sort of gently moving people through those seven stages, you know, that's, that's how you attract ideal clients. That's how you keep ideal clients. Uh, in some ways, that's how you teach somebody, you know, how to be an ideal client. I love this because you're really getting beyond the idea of like, I need to do Facebook ads. I need to do like, let's back up a little bit. Let's understand who you're targeting. Let's understand who you're talking to the solution they're looking for. What, what is going to attract them to that solution? Like, you know, uh, you know, what are the words they need to hear? Uh, I think Dan Martell calls it chocolate broccoli, where you <laughs> give them the, put chocolate on top of the broccoli. So they eat the broccoli. Um, I, I gotta, uh, ask you about, you know, one, you have a new book coming out the ultimate marketing engine, but You've written several books. You're a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Yeah. You know, you are a prolific author when it comes to marketing and business and sales. Why did you decide to write another book? I know writing a book is a lot of work. <laughs> I know that it takes yeah. a lot of time. What was your goal with writing this book? Like, you obviously had to have some uh, driving force yeah. to force you to write another one. You know, I, I will tell you that uh, this is my seventh book. And when you have fairly successful, um, you know, book sales, uh, publishers put a lot of pressure on you to write another book. <laughs> I'll be flat honest. That is part of the driving force because I, yeah, I could ride off into the sunset probably without writing another book. Um, however, I signed the contract for this book 
actually uh, not really knowing what I was going to write about. Um, and that's another luxury of, of having a, a track record is publishers are like, sure, you want to write another book? <laughs> we don't need a proposal. Um, but the bad thing about that was I really didn't go into this with like, I've got the perfect idea. And, and I signed the contract for this in uh, the first part of March in 2020. Um, and I don't know if some of your listeners remember where they were in March of 2020. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what a pivotal time. Shortly after, you know, the world went into lockdown, um, at least where I was, the, the actual city itself went into lockdown. Um, and one of the things that happened over there, so I didn't want to write a book like how to market in a time of COVID because nobody wanted that book. Um, but there's no question that what I saw go on um, informed and colored a lot of what I ended up writing about. And what I mean by that is, is I had a lot of clients that, well, by no fault of their own, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, wrong industry, you know, really got wiped out in some cases. But mm. I also saw a number of our clients um, not just survive, but thrive. Um, and the, the, the key characteristic was that in almost all cases, they I won't say they benefited because that sounds so wrong, but they, they, they thrived during this really tough time because they were meaningful in the lives of their customers. Their customers wanted them to. Mm, to they made the cut. Yeah. I mean, they wanted them to be around. They were like, what can we do to make sure we're going to stick with you? I mean, and I think that, that, that that's always been true, but sometimes in really good times, you know, businesses just benefit from, you know, being in the wake, you know, but, mm. but in tough times, um, the businesses that really survive and, and thrive are, are those that are, that are meaningful in the lives in some way of, uh, to their customers. And so that really became kind of the great mantra of this book. You know, how could we start viewing our customers more like members? And I don't mean a membership model. I mean, that can be a good model, but I mean more along the lines of instead of looking for uh, a simple transaction, how could we actually bring a transformation in their lives? Um, and, and how could we build our business and make that our mission, you know, for a business as opposed to, oh, yeah, I want to have 50 employees and $100 million, you know, or whatever the goal might be, that it be, mm -hmm. how could I build a strategy where I could take every one of my customers from where they are to where they want to be? How could I, how could I be that? That, that measure of transformation in their lives. Um, you may not have the answer, uh, but I, I do inter introduce something that we've been using for a number of years called the customer success track that really tries to get at teaching businesses how to look at these stages and the characteristics and the challenges of their customers at each of those stages and then develop you know, milestones and tasks and offerings uh, that, that can actually help them move through those stages. This is so true. The whole membership idea, seeing your customers as not just customers now, but customers for life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, it doesn't matter what you do. Cause I, I used to be in the business consulting world and I, I remember hunting for new clients constantly that, right. that, the hamster wheel. Um, and now that I run a SaaS business, it's so clear to me. It's so easy to sell to your existing customers. Like yeah. they, they're already sold on you. Yep. Um, in fact, you know, when I, I sometimes I run like um, paid webinars to teach a concept, uh, we get more registrants on the paid uh, webinar than the free ones. Mm. And, yeah. and people don't understand why. And I want you to talk a little bit more about why is it so easy to 
to sell to your existing customers and see them as members and see somebody that you're just going to continue to give value and solve more problems for them? Well, I think you hit on the number one word and that's trust. I mean, they already trust you. In some cases, they feel as though they've gotten far more value than they've paid for. Um, you know, because you, you know, you, if you are running your business with this mindset that we're talking about, you're constantly giving them value. You're constantly doing things that they didn't expect. You know, you're, you're providing more education. You're adding features that, you know, they didn't pay for originally. They didn't know they were going to get, uh, you know, you're responding to their, their requests for things. And so I think that that has a lot to do with it. You've got this maybe in some cases, long track record of, you know, of being uh, somebody that's, that's served them. Um, you know, I, 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 I shudder to try this idea, but, you know, I sometimes wonder, I mean, I wrote, I've written about 4,500 blog posts and I've, you know, <laughs> over the years, and most of the time those blog posts are just telling people how to do stuff. And I get, you know, I don't know, a dozen a week um, emails from people just saying, you know, you've made a difference in my life. You've been, you know, you've, I, I, I I'm blown away by some $100 million companies that said that they like duct tape marketing was the first book they bought and that that's what they built their sort of model around. And you're just like, holy crap, you know, that that kind of impact, you know, is so uh, humbling, but it's also just, it's what makes doing this, you know, so meaningful. And I think that that, you know, people that have that kind of mindset, like I know you do, um, you know, mm. it's much easier to then go out. To, you could probably go out to your client base and say, look, um, we had a really down month. You don't, do you mind paying us 10 bucks extra this month? And I'm, I'm guessing some percentage of them would say, Hey, you know, Omar, I'm on, you know, here it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely um, where everybody wants to be um, with our customers. Um, I I just want to touch on something that you mentioned in your book that I got to when I was, uh, you know, getting started with it. Um, You encourage every business to ponder some visionary and strategic problems. One of them is, are you struggling to stand out from competitors? Yep. Okay. Why is this so hard for so many small business owners? This idea of like thinking about the competition, standing out, differentiating. I feel like this is like, I hear this all the time. Like I'm not different enough. You know, my competitors are eating me alive. Why is this such a big problem? You know, I think it's I think it's ingrained in society. Quite frankly, let's go back to grade school. Did you want to be that different kid? Um, you know, I still see that every single day with, with entrepreneurs. It's like, no, we're an accounting firm, and this is what accounting firms do. You know, we can't say something crazy. You know, <laughs> they'll laugh. They'll all <laughs> laugh at us. Um, mm-hmm. And and that you know, and 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 so you know, that's part of it. And the other part is, I see so many entrepreneurs that or business owners that you know, they don't want to turn anybody off. They, you know, uh, they want to, you know, we sell this and anybody who, you know, anybody who needs this uh, is our customer, you know, as opposed Mm. to, you know, we do this like nobody thought of doing with actually the goal. I mean, I say this, you know, outwardly that, that the reason to define and narrowly describe your ideal client is so that you can actually chase away the people who Mm. are not ideal clients. Uh, But that thought is, is, you know, so terrifying to a lot of business owners because it's like, wait, but what if they buy from us? You know, and the problem is sometimes they do. That's true. That's true. <laughs> they, they do buy because you are an option in the market. Yeah. They might not be your ideal client, yeah. but you know, you are an option. Um, it's, it, you remind me of a story that our mutual friend, Matthew Kimberly shared with me that 
he he used the word yo y o in his subject line <laughs> in in his email and people were outraged like you're not going to please everybody no way and this is something I, I feel like this is kind of a a blessing in disguise for me growing up. You know, I grew up as a, you know, my parents were immigrants. I came to the States. Um, I was born in the U S but they came to the States in the sixties and I grew up feeling different. I yeah, felt, yeah. you know, my, you know, I would go to Egypt for summer vacation when my friends would go to, you know, Disney world and, and they would ask me, Oh, how was your camel ride? And, you know, I just <laughs> immediately knew I yeah. was not like everybody yeah. else. So early on, I actually remember it. Like I think I was 11 years old when I just decided okay, I'm different. That's it. Like I can't change people. I can't please everybody. You know, like some, my friends will be my friends and those who are not my friends are not going to be my friends. And I never kind of thought about it, but it, that translated in my business life where it's just like, I'm not interested in trying to please everybody because I, I already have so much data to show me I can't do that, you know? Um, and if social media has taught us anything, even the most beloved people like, Oh my God, I have to talk about this. I, I watched the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is about Mr. Rogers. Oh, yeah, yeah, How it. can you not love Mr. Rogers? Uh, yeah. In the documentary, he's got thousands of haters, people that hate Mr. Rogers. <laughs> How is this possible? <laughs> but, you know, it goes to show, like, you know, you only have a finite amount of energy, you know, focus it on the people that are you're meant to serve, that you can serve the best. Yeah, yeah but the part of the key, though, is make sure they know it. I mean, that's the, that's the challenge. There, there's actually, and I don't, you know, I've never necessarily done this, but, but there is sort of a, a strategy of being a bit polarizing that, that has worked for a lot of people. I mean, definitely make sure that people that, that, that don't appreciate your approach or your point of view, you know, are not attracted because like I said, I was, I was actually kind of kidding saying, because sometimes they become customers. My worst customers were always the ones that I took that, you know, were not a fit. I mean, they didn't want to go through our strategic approach. You know, they wanted to rush things. They didn't value the long-term, you know, view, but Hey, they said they'd pay us, you know, and so you hmm. take them. But those are always the worst engagements, you know. So you're you're better off uh, making sure that those people are not attracted to you, frankly. So uh, let's say I'm a business owner. I'm listening to this podcast episode. I'm like, okay, John's the man. I'm going to read his books. I'm going to read the Ultimate uh, Marketing Engine. Um, but I got five thousand dollars in my budget. I yeah. want to be able to spend this on marketing. Yeah. Where do I start? Do I get an ads guy? Do I get a team to help me? Uh, you know, put together some social media marketing. A lot of people just don't know what to do. Yeah. They have a budget, and they're like, "What do I do?" You know, I obviously this is. I'm trying to make this statement so it's as universally applicable as possible, but I would do customer discovery before I would ever get an ad person. <laughs> um, and, and so go out and start finding some warm bodies and talking to them and, and asking them, you know, does this work? How would you do this? I mean, even if, I mean, if you've obviously, if you've got customers, that's a great place to start, but if you don't, you know, just make some assumptions about who would be a customer and start finding groups where they hang out and just start saying, look, I'm just being totally transparent. I'm starting out this new thing. I got this idea for this thing. Uh, you know, people love to help when they, when they believe that you're not trying to pull the wool over their eyes, you know? And so that, that's how I would spend a lot of time. I know that somebody wants to like go get a Facebook ads person and give them $5,000 and magic presto happens, but that's a quick <laughs> way to lose $5,000. Yeah, totally. Because if you ever hired a Facebook ads guy or gal, 
they will ask you, who are your customers? Right. Who are we targeting here? Like, yeah. like what are their interests? And yeah. if you don't have answers, yeah. they're not going to know how to spend the money. They're just going to, you know, try to be as conservative as possible. And like you said, it's going to be a waste of money. Um, and I'm speaking not from a high horse, but from experience. Yeah. I've wasted tons of money on ads in my career because of not doing what you said, market research, understanding your customers, uh, and if you have money burning in your pocket in terms of a budget, hire an EA, hire an yeah, EA yeah, yeah. to help you transcribe some of these conversations, organize the language, uh, come up with some summaries. There's actually a great app called Spoke mm -hmm. that I found that actually helps you with, it has AI transcriptions, but yeah. you can actually come up with little sound bites so that, you know, we do this because we do a bunch of customer interviews and then we don't want to just have them for ourselves as founders. We want to yeah, yeah, take yeah. the most important bits and share it with the rest of our team, product people, engineers. This is, this is who you're building for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I, 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 I'm a business owner. I'm now going to do customer discovery. I, I have a good profile of who I'm going after. Um, this is a question I, I, I want to really be sensitive about because I know people don't like messing around with their website, but do I change my website before I start trying to build out my marketing and outreach? Do I change the language? Do I change all that kind of stuff? Or do I just go ahead and start marketing? I, I, I want to, I want to try to get the message nailed. I mean, that's the first thing we do with people. I mean, if it takes us three months, it's like, we're going to get this message nailed. We are going to, you know, narrow who your ideal client is um, and, and, you know, start talking in the language that they want to hear, start telling the story that they're already telling themselves. Um, we want to get that part done. Uh, then we start piling on some SEO. We start piling on, you know, content that's going to actually, uh, you know, attract based on, on intent of, of a buyer. Um, but, but we, you know, the one thing that I, I think business owners can't ever abdicate is, is strategy. I mean, no, no consultant that you hire, uh, no, you know, service that you hire is going to understand your customer or your, your secret sauce, you know, better than you do. Um, mm. And that doesn't mean you can't get help. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't, uh, you know, hire, especially when it comes down to doing tactics. If you need somebody to write content, just be, a, just be able to direct anybody you hire. Don't just, don't just hire a Facebook person and say, yeah, do the magic. Uh, be, <laughs> be able to direct them, you know, with a strategic approach or otherwise you're, you're going to get burned. And, it, and I'm not saying they're bad people. It's just, you got to help them. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and so, you know, ne never, never abdicate strategy. Definitely. You wouldn't get a builder to come and renovate your house without some blueprints, you know? That's right. That's so same, same thing. Um, before we wrap up our conversation, John, I want to, I want to ask you a question about, uh, your favorite brands, your favorite, uh, businesses when it comes to marketing. I know as an entrepreneur, I know for myself and as a marketer, you're always like taking note of, yeah. wow, that was a, that's a slick ad. That's a nice promotion. That's yeah. whatever. What are some brands or businesses that you think really do marketing well? Well, I, I tell you my absolute favorite, and this is, you know, we were talking before we got started here. I live in the mountains um, in Colorado and my, you know, absolute favorite brand is Patagonia. Um, just, 
I love their stuff, which is obviously a big part of it. It works, you know, it looks good, you know, it, it lasts forever, but I just love what they do too. I mean, if I, you, you send anything back and they'll fix it, you can send anything back and they'll give you money for it. They'll buy it <laughs> back. You know, they actually want you to fix it as opposed to go out and buy something new. Uh, they, you know, all of their sustainability uh, things that they do, the founder of the company, uh, you know, is just, um, you know, is, is sort of a, a god in the world of outdoor, you know, uh, pursuits. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I can't, I can't rave enough about that brand. I definitely agree. Um, one of my favorite founder stories is, is, is that founder story of Patagonia. Yeah. Uh, I think it's on how I built this podcast and he, it really shows you he also wrote a, your marketing. He also wrote, yeah, I'm sorry, called, let, he also wrote a book called let my people go fishing. Um, Let my people go fishing. Yeah, which is just an amazing book, and it really gets into the 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 whole. It's really cool because it's it's basically his management philosophy told through sort of the the ups and downs of the brand, and and they have had some ups and downs, uh, for sure. But they're they're certainly uh, they're certainly in pretty good shape right now. And there's something about a brand that they're not trying to build for today. They're trying to build for a lifetime for generations. Yeah. Like they, they set out to do that. Uh, another brand that reminds me of that is, is Burton boards like Burton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and when they basically invented the sport, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. when they, when they started their company, they were not like, Oh, we're going to just try this thing and make a few dollars. And then, you know, uh, you know, bounce. They, they basically said, Hey, we're going to be here forever. And, and I think that mentality, is helpful as an entrepreneur uh, to think big, to think long-term so that you don't feel like you have to make cheap sacrifices right. on your brand and on your, on your values. Um, and I love, I love that you chose that brand because that to me, at the end of the day, if you have that mindset, it's going to inform all your marketing. You're not going to, you know, get the person from the office from cameo to do a little snippet for your Facebook ad right. because it's going to get you some clicks. <laughs> well, and I think, I think it, it, what you're talking about is just that long-term mindset. And what that does is it allows you to make investments in people, mm. investments in ideas. Um, and that's what really pays. I mean, if you're, if you're out there, if you sell a $10,000 product, not everybody can afford your $10,000 product, but maybe someday they will. And so you invest in those people with free stuff and with, you know, low cost stuff and with no strings attached, you know, help. And, and that's how you build those people. That's how you turn those people into your $10,000 buyer. And that's real. I, I know a lot of people that have actually went through that experience. I, I know a buddy of mine who um, went to mastermind talks, mm -hmm. which is, is, is an expensive event. It's seven to $10,000 or something for this event. Um, Jason Gaynard is a great event. Um, but he told me that like, you know, a few years ago, I thought that was crazy. I would never be able to afford that. And then, you know, his business was successful. He was able to kind of, yeah. uh, you know, grow, but because Jason was on his radar and gave him value prior to that, I think Jason actually spoke at an event and he was like, man, I want to go to this event. Yeah. And, uh, it's yeah. pretty, pretty inspirational. Yep. Absolutely. John, thank you so much for being here, uh, sharing your wisdom, sharing your knowledge. Uh, of course, of course, uh, I'll be uh, in a moment telling everybody uh, where to find the ultimate marketing engine so they can pick it up, read it. Uh, I always say, if you have an opportunity to find a book that's going to get you anything 
in terms of uh, acceleration in your business, improvement. It's well worth it. The value is incredible. Uh, and John uh, is the best of the best when it comes to marketing. Thanks, John. Really appreciate you uh, being here. I, I appreciate that. And I will second that idea of, of you know, 15 bucks or something on a, on a book. You get one idea. Nuts. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the best, it's the best buy that's out there. I mean, there's all these $1,400, $1,500 courses uh, that people offer that, you know, sometimes for 15 bucks, you can get just about as much out of it. Totally. Yeah. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Oh, it was great catching up with you, Omar. Support for today's show comes from Just Works. Are you doing it all at your company? Just Works makes it easier for you to start, run, and grow a business. Let me tell you how Just Works can help your business. With Just Works, employees can onboard themselves in minutes with simple software that makes a great first impression. Just Works can relieve you of some of the administrative work you don't love, like figuring out payroll, managing benefits, and figuring out state-by-state -state rules and regulations. Just Works makes it easy to hire and manage remote employees across all 50 states. With JustWorks, you could take the guesswork out of employment and tax regulations and requirements. Plus, you can get help setting up sick leave policies and administrating harassment and discrimination prevention trainings that comply with state and local requirements. Access national healthcare insurance plans so your employees can get coverage no matter where they live. Across the country, small businesses with big dreams love JustWorks for its simplicity, intuitive platform, and time-saving features. Plus, JustWorks comes with their expert 24-7 support for you and your team. Find out how JustWorks can help your business by going to JustWorks.com. That's JustWorks.com for more info. Thank you so much, John James, for being on today's podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. I remember uh, hanging up from that call and saying to myself, I got to have more calls with John. I got to stay in touch with him. He's a good guy. He's just somebody that can help so many people, so many entrepreneurs. And that's why I was so happy that he was able to be a part of our podcast, The 100 MBA Show. If you love today's episode, then learn more about John and his work and his books at ducttapemarketing.com. Also, if you want to put this into action, go ahead on Amazon right now and pick up John's latest book, The Ultimate Marketing Engine. I see it's already climbing to the top of the Amazon charts. And for good reason, John brings home the goods. As I always say, a book is one of the best bang for your buck value when it comes to professional development, improving your business, improving yourself as an entrepreneur. Thanks so much for listening to The $100 MBA Show. If you love what you hear, hit subscribe and you'll get our next episode automatically on your device. So hit that subscribe button or follow button on whatever podcast app you like using. You keep listening, we'll keep giving you amazing business lessons. Before I go, I want to leave you with this. Anytime you can systematize any part of your business, product, engineering, support, or marketing, the easier it is for you to tweak it, improve it, and scale it so you can continually to get regular positive results. Try one thing here, do one thing there. That's not a system. That's you shooting in the dark. That's why I highly recommend you check out John's book, The Ultimate Marketing Engine, and carve out your own marketing system to continually get new customers. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll check you in tomorrow's episode. I'll see you then. Take care.